announced the creation of a new information operations technical training school. Air Force Basic Military Training has an updated curriculum with a new focus on readiness and lethality. The first command, the Air Force starts here. Hey, hey, everybody, welcome in to the Air Force Starts here, and thanks for the subscribe, stream, or download, however you might be listening in. If you get a chance to throw us a star, hopefully five stars, we certainly would appreciate that as well. My name is Dan Hawkins from the Air Education and Training Command Public Affairs Team and your host for this professional development podcast dedicated to bringing total force, big A airmen, insight, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from the recruiting, training, and education world. Episode 64 of the podcast today, and it's a good one. It features Captain Ashley Bird, an instructor pilot at the 70. First flying training wing at Vance Air Force Base, Oklahoma. And I ran across Ashley's story because of our joint connection to Purdue University, where she graduated from the ROTC program before commissioning. And I really was just intrigued by her philosophies and, and personal journey uh, to the Air Force. And that includes the path she took to ROTC in general and learning to fly while she was in college. And now after she graduated from specialized undergraduate pilot training, she's now a part of that much heralded FAPE Mafia, which is what the first assignment instructor pilots are called. So we're going to spend some time talking about her daily life as an instructor pilot, the pros and cons of being a force generator and, and balancing your work life with being married to another military member as well. We'll also spend some time discussing their thoughts on rated diversity improvement. General Brown, our Air Force Chief of Staff, has said that to remain the most capable force, we must have rated officers and leaders with diverse backgrounds, experiences, and thoughts who can see the challenges from different perspectives. And rated diversity improvement ties directly to CSAF Action Order Airmen and is a focused long-term effort to attract, recruit, develop, and retain a diverse rated leadership core through deliberate efforts to raise awareness about aviation career opportunities, develop strategic partnerships, and remove potential barriers to service while at the same time mentoring current aviators. So a lot to talk about with Captain Bird, and she goes through all of it so seamlessly. So let's get to it. Episode 64 of the Air Force Starts Here launches right now. Ashley, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Ashley Bird, born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana. I have a younger brother, and he actually is now a materials management at Robbins Air Force Base in Georgia. He's enlisted there. Uh, but I went to Purdue University. I majored in pre-law. Did the boiler R up, boiler, boiler up. up, boiler up. Uh, went through the ROTC program there while I was at Purdue. I was also in a sorority, Kappa Kappa Gamma. So I was kind of dual hatting it along with uh, the bachelor's degree, um, which was very, very cool. And yep. uh, ended up doing the Gold Bar Recruiter Program in New York City for about 10 months in which they pulled me out just a little bit early to come in uh, complete pilot training here at Vance Air Force Base. Went through T6s, uh, then T38s and went to uh, pilot instructor training down at uh, San Antonio at Randolph for about three and a half months and came back here and have been an instructor for the past two years. 
plus. So a lot to unpack there. So I kind of <laughs> wanted to go all the way back to the beginning and, and talk about, you know, what kind of maybe got you hooked into aviation and, and potentially a career in the military. Uh, you know, I did read that your your dad was a Blackhawk pilot, so I'm sure yeah. that had to play a factor. But but what what got you hooked uh, in into this line of work? Yeah. So to be brutally honest with you, nothing. Um, my mom is a special agent with the FBI. She uh, did that for 27 years and recently retired about five ish years ago. My dad um, was a ROTC grad from Indiana University. Went through uh, ROTC got to be a captain and then reverted to chief warrant officer. He's now a CW five in the army. Um, and he flies Blackhawks as an instructor pilot. He's been deployed five times throughout my life, but, um, that was not at first, um, riveting to me. I did not want to be away from family for that long. And growing up, I had always wanted to follow my mom's footsteps as an FBI agent. So growing up, I had <laughs> written books uh, as like about fifth grade and, and made all the pictures of me being an FBI agent and all that kind of good stuff. But uh, that was kind of the route that I wanted to go to, which is why I even majored in pre-law. Um, I thought that that would be more interesting uh, for the FBI folk that would review my package and all that kind of good stuff. So growing up, my mom told me that the best way to get to be in the FBI was to join the military. My dad said, don't go army, go air force. <laughs> so, Solid. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, that's honestly, that's why the air force, I feel like a lot of my life is just kind of, um, happened on a wince, which is crazy to even think about, but, uh, joined ROTC because my mom and dad told me that was the best path forward to be in the FBI. So I started, um, ROTC my freshman year, my very first semester, um, and I'm not going to lie to you. I did not have fun. I did not like it. It was a, um, drastic change from kind of just the normal civilian life to the more of the military, um, structure. So I came back after my first semester and I told my mom and dad, no way in heck am I going back to that? I did not want to do it. And my mom and dad said, just give it, give it one more shot. Ironically enough, I came back the next semester and I was offered a, a type two scholarship, um, a high school scholarship from my detachment commander, which basically paid for my schooling. My parents still had to pay for, um, and I had to pay for my housing, but the, the type two scholarship from ROTC program paid for my schooling entirely. So I figured I would just continue on with it and, and just see what happens that allowed me to basically have one more semester to figure out if this was you know, what I wanted to do with my life. Um, that second semester, I fell in love with the program. The people were incredible. The instructors were amazing and um, always wanted you just to be the best version that you could be. And they were also training us to be uh, the best officers we could be once we graduated. So, and, and talk about that. I'm curious, you know, and I know we're going to jump ahead to be an instructor pilot, but I am curious, you know, how much their influence while you're in ROTC ultimately ends up fast forward a couple of years and you're an instructor, you know, motivating and inspiring. I, I'm sure you think back to those times. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely do. And I think my parents first, I was very lucky. My mom and dad were very encouraging in everything that I wanted to do. And believe it or not, um, my mom and dad, when I told them that I wanted to apply to do the gold Bark recruiter program, they were both like, you shouldn't do that. You should just go ahead and just go to pilot training, um, get pilot training under your belt and move on to the next thing. And um, I, I didn't want, I didn't want to, I wanted to go and live in New York city and recruit. And I think that the gold bar recruiter program truthfully was kind of where I 
realized how important it was to not only get um, people and parents to, to really encourage their, I don't know, their students, their kids, their grandkids, whoever it may be, that the military is an awesome place to be. Um, and we really do all encourage each other to be the best uh, people that we can be. And to go further on in our lives than just the military, right? All the jobs that we have are also on the civilian sector as well. Yeah. And so I, I read too, and I found, I just found it fascinating that you actually found time to do this, but while you were in college and in ROTC, you still took the time to get your private pilot's license. How did that <laughs> come about? Yeah. So Purdue has an awesome aviation program there. And, uh, again, funny enough, um, being a pilot initially was not what I wanted to do. My mom and dad were like, Hey, uh, because you got this scholarship, we had some, some extra money left over the, from what we had been saving for you. And uh, if you want to go do this, you can. And I originally, I didn't, but then I had realized that I had extra elective credits that I needed to do. And so I used all of my elective credits on uh, my second semester of freshman year to go and get my private pilot's license. So I did it through Purdue and it was such an awesome experience um, being able to fly and all that kind of stuff, literally for school. So it sounds like from day one of ROTC to the end of that first year, I mean, you did like a complete 180. A thousand percent. <laughs> yeah, a thousand percent. <laughs> that, that's so cool. And it's so cool to, you know, understand the influence those force generators had, you know, on you as a student in college, you weren't even in the military yet. So that's really awesome. And, and so you talked about being a gold bar recruiter. Um, mm -hmm. What's the top line message that you kind of remember from your time as being a gold bar recruiter and why, you know, um, you know, why is service in the military a really good option uh, for, for young people, you know, looking to come out of college? I think that the military provides a really awesome stepping stone to not only gain experience, exposure, and education, but it also has the most awesome benefits, right? Try care and all those types of things. Um, but it's an awesome steppy, stepping stone that you get to have uh, people around you that support you. And even if you choose to get out after four years, the civilian sector looks at military experience extremely high. I mean, even just going back to what my mom had mentioned, um, if you want to be in the FBI, go in the military. Yeah. So lots of things happening. You end up coming and joining the Air Force after your gold bar time is over and, and not really joining the Air Force, but joining uh, specialized undergraduate pilot training and, mm -hmm. and you go through that experience you know, what's the 30 second elevator pitch? How was your time in SUPT? And did you want to be a FAPE when you came out? Yeah, definitely. So I, I will preface this with the experience that I went through is different than the experience that we have now. I went through a legacy syllabus, um, which is pretty much comprised of T6s and then T38s or T1s. And then you get your wings and you are now a winged aviator and you can go fly um, said aircraft. Now, um, students are getting winged after T6s and they will still continue to go on the follow on and T1s or T38s. Um, it's just the winging is a little bit different and the program is just a little bit different. But 
um, I had the most positive experience in T6s. I went through the eighth flying training squadron back in 2019. And uh, I loved the T6, everything from uh, contact where we did aero maneuvers and flips and twists and <laughs> all that kind of good stuff in the air to formation, flying with two aircraft side by side uh, to instrument navigation, flying in the clouds. Um, I had the most amazing experience in, in T6s. I was fortunate enough to be uh, in the top half of my class and I went on to fly T38s and uh, T38s, boy, it does not fly like the T6. Um, but it is also, it's a powerful um, dual engine aircraft. And uh, the instructors in the, in the 25th flying training squadron here at Vance were also incredible. And um, it was by far the hardest year of my life, um, both uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, there's a lot going on, right? We're fresh out of college. We're trying to just figure out our way through uh, the world but you're also trying to, you know, have a significant other, make that work. Maybe it's marriage, maybe it's dating. Um, but then also trying to focus on your career and recognizing that every single flight matters. Every single test that you take matters. Um, the most hard year of my life, but boy, was it rewarding. And yeah, I, uh, FAPE was very high on my list. Uh, out of T-38s, you rank every aircraft uh, in the air forces inventory. So I think when I went through, we ranked about 49 aircraft or so, uh, and I had FAPE number five. Okay. All right. So you talked a little bit about the resilience aspect and how being in undergraduate pilot training, um, tested, uh, you know, you on just about every level, but talk about that from being dual military. Your husband is actually a pilot and you mentioned, uh, off air that, He's going to be an A-10 pilot. How, how, how has that aspect of your life been? How have you been able to balance that? Yeah, so I graduated uh, a year ahead of him. And so while I was going through pilot training, he was finishing up his bachelor's degree at Purdue University as well. When he finished in December, he came out to Enid, uh, America to live with me for nine months uh, because he was waiting to enter active duty. So he was just kind of sitting here and just waiting to start. So he ended up getting a job at uh, Academy Sports, which is kind of like a Dick's Sporting Goods here uh, in good old Enid. And uh, he was, I mean, if you will, the, the housewife, essentially, he cooked, he cleaned, he made my lunch, he made my breakfast and dinner and all of that kind of stuff while I was basically going through pilot training. Um, the pro of having a, a, an individual or a spouse that understands the military side is they understand how busy it can be. Um, he, not a single time would he ever ask me to stop studying or, Hey, I need to spend time with you, or I need this or that. He was very understanding, um, which I really, really appreciate. Um, now on the flip side, when he is going through pilot training and I'm a, an instructor, uh, I was a little bit more needy. I needed, <laughs> I needed time. <laughs> I needed him to pay attention to me. Um, but you know, it's, it's been awesome and it's been good and it's, challenging, right? Because now he's, he left, he graduated pilot training back in May and, uh, he's been gone since he went through, uh, introduction to fighter fighter fundamentals at Columbus air force base, uh, for about three, three and a half ish months. Um, he came back for a week and now he's at SEER, uh, where he's going to go and, um, basically get tested and, you know, emotional levels. Um, so it's, it's difficult especially when he gets back from that, he's leaving to Davis Monthan, uh, in middle of November, uh, permanently he'll be PCSing there, uh, for the start of his B course, which will be about six months. 
So it's going to be challenging, but I think we were able to kind of get over the challenge because we both know at the end of the day, uh, there is going, we are going to be together and we both just support our end goals for each other so much, um, that we've been able to make it work. Wow. I mean, it, it's a lot, right? Even when you live in the same house and, and you don't have those stressors, um, you know, any relationship can be tough, but, but uh, to manage all that, uh, obviously he's a keeper. So, <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to kind of transition into you graduate, you, you put FAPE number five on your list and voila, you're a FAPE. Um, so what is the daily life of an instructor, you know, learning how to instruct. And I know now UPT 2.5 is, it's not really a new thing anymore. It's actually, that's just the way we train pilots now. Um, so mentorship of students, um, you know, what is the daily life for Ashley Bird? Yeah, I think um, for myself and really everybody, every day is extremely different. So as an instructor pilot, our primary goal is to train and create aviators. Um, and we, we have a high standard to which those are made. And I think that the 2.5 program does an amazing job at uh, creating uh, amazing aviators. But um, for me, my secondary job is I'm the executive officer of the 33rd Flying Training Squadron. So uh, I'm essentially a paper pusher. <laughs> I do awards, decorations, uh, officer performance reports, and pretty much any other tasks that the commander needs uh, handled. I handle all of those. It's the fate life is interesting because essentially you're taking, you know, old Joe Schmo off the street and you're having them go fly this DA 20 for, you know, 15, 20 hours. And then they come to T sixes and they get about 80, 90 hours. And then they go on to the T 38 or the T one, they get another 80 hours or so. And then all of a sudden they can go to pilot instructor training and they can become an instructor with essentially less than 200 hours. It's, it's, you know, a crazy thought, but boy, is it cool because, um, you know, we get to gain airmanship and officership. I would argue faster than individuals that move on to mobility air force or combat air force. Um, it's, it's a really, really neat thing. Plus you guys get to fly in that cool T6 flagship, right? Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> that thing seems real. I, I want to fly in that thing. <laughs> it is neat. And ironically, a, a FAPE here uh, designed that. So do you guys have like a secret FAPE mafia handshake? I think everybody wants to know that too. We do not, but we do have a super secret FAPE mafia slack. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Right. See, you know, that the super secret hand jets for, you know, people of maybe my older generation, you know, now you guys have Slack channel. Exactly. Got it. Got it. I'm gonna have to go home and ask my son what the Slack channel is. But, <laughs> but uh, no, that's, that's really cool. And, you know, you, you talked about it being cool. And, you know, in AATC, you know, to develop the airmen we need, you know, in line with the commands priorities and advanced force development, you know, that valuing force generators is, is obviously a top priority for the command. Mm -hmm. You know, what are, what are some of the things that either you were surprised about, like that from a value proposition for being a force generator or, you know, maybe, you know, challenging wise, like, wow, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. Like, you know, can you kind of maybe talk to that? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was just telling Cass before we started this podcast that when I was a student, I was going through and 
I would go home to my husband. And I'd be like, I just, the IPs don't get it. They don't get what it's like to be a student, how difficult it is and to come home every single night and study and go through all of these publications and try to memorize and be able to regurgitate the next day, all of these things for our flight, you know, later that day, uh, they don't get it. And now sitting in this seat, I kind of laugh at myself because uh, I, I do get it and it is hard. And, you know, I'm not going to say that being an IP is any more difficult than being a student because it's not, it's just different. It's uh, a lot more things on our plate, right? A lot more things to have to worry about. Um, now we're not just focused on being a pilot. We're focusing on being an officer as well. The minute you graduate pilot training. So, you know, things to, you know, fill an OPR and, and try to be the best volunteer, try to be the best innovator, or try to be that high time flyer. Um, there's a lot that we're also thinking about other than just flying now. Yeah. Has there been a moment? I don't want to say an aha moment, but where, you know, you, you left, you know, the job and said, man, I got, I really love this job. Actually. Yeah. Um, it happened about two months ago. Uh, one of my former students, um, I flew with him a, a good handful here in T6s when I was a scheduler and uh, he, he left, he went on, he went to go fly on the T-38, got through the T-38 program, dropped F-22s and he got back from uh, also IFF um, and he came back to my office, knocked on the door and um, just said, ma'am, I would not be where I am without you. And I just wanted to thank you. Um, I've had a couple of those in the past six months and those, those moments are what makes everything worth it. Yeah. And it kind of takes me back to that conversation we had at the top about your instructors at ROTC and how yeah. they really kind of brought you around. And, and now you're doing that, you know, for other, you know, uh, people, that's really awesome. So, yeah. so cool. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about rated diversity improvements and, you know, your comment in the article about being a role model and inspiring the next generation of aviators. And you, you mentioned that your Air Force role model was Major General Jeannie Levitt. Can you mm -hmm. uh, maybe speak to why that is? Yeah, so I actually met her when I was a Gold Bar recruiter back in New York. And she, I only, I only had about eh, three or four hours with her, but I told her upon my completion of gold bar recruiting that I was going to go on advance and start pilot training. And she awarded me the opportunity to go to Shaw Air Force Base and fly with uh, the Tigers uh, in the F-16. So I logged about like a 1.3 or four or something like that uh, over there. And um, she was just talking to me about all of her times in the Strike Eagle. And first to only talk to a general for two hours and for her to hop through all of these hoops to get me uh, a flight. Like, who am I? Right. I was a second Lieutenant and uh, a wannabe fighter pilot one day. Um, but for her to make that happen really stood out to me, but I've actually, I'm in contact with her, um, every, every now and again, and I've talked to her throughout the past couple of years and her story is truly inspiring. She, um, was also joint spouse. Her and her husband were both in the military and they ended up having to select a career whose career at that time was going to be, um, put ahead and they chose hers, but, you know, major, uh, major general Levitt is a mother, an officer, a pilot. She is everything that I want to be the way that she presents herself, the way that she argues and represents the, the females, uh, both in and out of the military. Uh, I want to be exactly like her. So maybe in a year, I'll get to do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so, you know, speaking of rated diversity and, and, you know, I mean, the stats are what the stats are. I mean, you know, that's an area uh, of improvement that the air force knows it needs to make general Brown, our chief of staff Mm -hmm. signed off last year on the, the rated diversity improvement strategy. But uh, you also kind of talked about going to air shows and, you know, seeing young girls or even parents that said, hey, I didn't even know, you know, girls could fly in the Air Force. How, how do you see uh, not just you, but, you know, all, um, you know, whether it be women or minorities, you, you know, your role in rated diversity? Yeah, it's important. It's very important. Um you know, I'll tell you, even just going through the past year, I've been here for two years, even just within the past year, I see an influx of more and more minorities um, coming through, at least advance. Uh, and it's it's awesome. It, it's really, really cool to see that. Uh, actually, I was at an air show and uh, it wasn't a female air show. It was just an air show for the public. And, um, myself and and my counterpart were standing there in front of the T6 and talking about the T6 and pilot training and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, this little girl was kind of pointing at myself and uh, Jamie, who, who I was with. And she was like, like, mom, like those are pilots, like they're girls. And, And the mom walked over and she, you know, said something that I was just dumbfounded. She was like, I didn't know girls could be pilots. And I kind of just looked at her and I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we can, and, and we do, and we are, and, and so can she, and the little girl just kind of looked at her mom and was like, I want to do that. And that was the, the most neat thing I had, I had seen in a while. So. Yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, so, you know, as we get close to wrap it up, I, I'm just curious. So you, you're, you're an IP, you're a FAPE, um, you know, but what's, what's next? What do you think's next on the list for Ashley Bird? Yeah. So I will drop my assignment next summer, probably around July, August ish timeframe. And, you know, you'd think that the A-10 would be the aircraft that I would want to go to. And I would be delighted to go to the A-10, but the more and more, uh, I talk to my husband about it. I think the F-35 is probably the, the next jet that I would be interested in flying. Um, as I'm sure you guys all read in the air force times and all the headlines, they've been trying to get rid of the A-10 for the past, you know, 10, 20 years. They can't do it because the A-10 <laughs> is the most supreme air to ground aircraft in my humble opinion. But, um, they're, you know, after one to two, three ish assignments, um, from what I've gathered from, um, some of the A-10 guys that I've gotten to know, uh, they're kind of heading them over to the F-35, so I'm um, hoping to meet my husband on the other side, uh, flying the F-35. Yeah. Well, and I think the army would agree with your humble. Opinion, <laughs> for sure. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, well, you know, great talking with you today. I, and I, I feel compelled to get this into the, to the podcast because, and I didn't really have a question for it, but she said, after all, Bird, referring to you, still refers to a quote she learned during her time in Purdue's ROTC, excuses are tools of the incompetent. Was that a force generator who first told you that? No, actually, uh, ROTC. We, uh, we learned that quote prior to going to field training. Um, it was, it's, a, it's a much longer quote than that, um, but we learned that prior to going to, to field training. And I don't know why, but it's always just stuck with me. I, I like it. I'm going to steal it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Great. 
Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for spending time with us. And, you know, we're so lucky to have you here in the first command, uh, you know, inspiring, you know, and, and teaching the next generation uh, of pilots and developing the airmen we need uh, for 2030 so we can continue to fly, fight and win. So thank you. Well, I appreciate the time to be here and thank you all for listening. I really enjoyed it. Just an incredible conversation with Captain Ashley Bird and some really great insight into her thought processes as she approaches life as a force generator and, and even with rated diversity improvement and the mentors that came before her, including Major General Jeannie Levitt, who is a legend in the Air Force pilot community. So thank you to Ashley for joining us today on the pod. As a reminder, you can follow Air Education and Training Command and our commander, Lieutenant General Brian Robinson, on social media. AETC is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, while you can find Lieutenant General Robinson on Twitter at AETC underscore commander, as well as on Facebook at AETC Command Team. For 24-7 news and notes, you can find us as well on the web at www.aetc.af.mil. Thanks for checking out the podcast as we dive into the world of recruiting, training, and education. For our entire AETC public affairs team, I'm Dan Hawkins. So long. We'll talk to you next time on The Air Force Starts Here.